Welcome to What Have You, featuring Rachel Jankovic and Rebecca Merkel. This audio is brought to you by Canon Press. Welcome back to What Have You. I'm Rachel Jankovic. I'm Becca Merkel. And it's spring, guys. It's spring. Actually, we're looking across the brown fields, and they're brown, but you can see a little touch of green around the edges. They're hinting towards yeah. better things to come. I think next week it's going to be significant, actually. Yeah, we are finally getting, we only have a few of the little snowdrift uh Little pockets, the little pods of snow still. Little highlights here and there, but Down we're pretty the... done with that. I'm pretty well, not sad right now. No, I'm not. Anything sad is either. still possible here, but but I noticed my daffodils are poked above the surface of the dirt. Not far, but they are. They're it's, thinking about it. They're thinking about it. I've got tulips up. I saw one blooming crocus, one in my yard. That's a success. Yeah. Yeah. forward-looking crocus. So, I mean, should we just jump right into some no, other discussion? I'm like, do we or have any small talk? I could tell you more about my yard, but, you know, moss. there's the crocus. Moving to the left, <laughs> you would see a pile of junk. In our, our houses, <laughs> we're having, it's spring break, and there's been an exceptional amount of BB gunning outside <laughs> that has left me with little riffraff all around <laughs> like we're gonna need to do a major pickup well, rachel our okay so we had this fence it was not a beautiful fence but it was a fence <laughs> and in the windstorm the first windstorm the one that caused our you know tree yeah. to do the splits and all that yeah blew a panel flat down just a whole section of the fence yeah. just flat out so the boys went out and they put it back and they redug the holes, got new posts, put the thing in there. Then we had another windstorm, and it blew down the rest of the fence, <laughs> except for that panel. So the rest of the fence has blown down in multiple directions. We're also having an Ecclesiastes fence, oh, because yeah. the only piece of landscaping that we even began to begin at our house <laughs> was, a, was a parking, a fence to... Mark oh, the yeah. parking yeah. plan. Yeah. Well, then we Luke got busy working. He didn't quite finish it, but he'd done this stretch of it. And then he was working on stuff in the basement. And then someone ran into it <laughs> and knocked mm-hmm. a piece of it over. And then the windstorm <laughs> took some yeah. more of it. So it's sort of its own Ecclesiastes tale out there. We <laughs> we're, we just have to, it has to be yeah. the focus of our attention for a minute to fix it. And now we have to, to redo it. the whole stupid fence because it's so badly gone into a strange origami shape. Isn't it funny how it's just like, <laughs> well, I guess, I guess we're going to redo that while we're not doing but the first thing. But now you can see into our backyard that's very strewn about with junk. Yeah. But I'm wallpapering my front room and it looks real fun. So I I don't remember if I ever told this story on the podcast, but it was one of now we're in the country, but everywhere else we've ever lived, we've lived up to the edges of our property with like, you know, when you're driving with someone that doesn't put the brakes on as fast as you feel like would be appropriate for how fast Mm -hmm. you're coming up to the stop sign. Mm -hmm. That's how we've driven to the edges of our properties. (laughs) Wherever we live, 
were yeah. too aggressively coming up to the edges of it. <laughs> None of these safe boundaries for others. Right, no buffer. And now, we could never make it so that our neighbors would not feel imposed upon. <laughs> and and that was actually part of the reason I wanted to be in the country. Because I'm like, yeah. you know, yeah. it would be better if we were not doing that to people. Like, that would be better. <laughs> and we had, and everywhere that we've lived, we've ended up with a neighbor. We don't have one here in the country where the people are saner. But we've had a neighbor that is massively too into their yard. Yeah, yeah. And the the neighbor that moved in after we already lived there, I did not feel as guilty about that because no, I felt knew, like they knew they we knew were the there. Reckoning when they bought and the house. when they were looking at the house, we saw them and chatted with them, and the the lady said. Tis this a quiet neighborhood? And I was like, you know, it really is. It's a lovely, quiet neighborhood. And one of my kids was standing near me, and she was like, mm, except us. <laughs> and I thought, suddenly I was like, oh, you speak You're truth. Right. We right. aren't necessarily quiet. Yeah. Uh, we are things happening next door. <laughs> so, But they um, they went so far as to put up don't step on the grass signs. So they had a yard with admonitions to the mailman to stop trotting heavily upon their grasses. Okay, yeah. And that's just not our way of life. So I felt like we were really noticeable neighbors. Do you know what I mean? Like you just can't, you can't fade into the background. Well, and then at the house before that, when I had the twins, we had a couple that we had these big windows and they're, they're into kind of a historic home and. They had nothing to do but care about, like, they, they just, I think they were retired, but they just mostly did stuff in really ineffective ways. But mm-hmm. it was in my sweaty eyeball phase of parenting that I would see her outside picking up pine cones the whole day. Yeah. And so every time, anytime you looked out the window, she was picking up pine cones, but she mm-hmm. did it. By carrying a little tin pie dish. Yeah. And she would sit down, just oh. straight down on the ground and pick up surrounding <laughs> pine cones until her pie dish was full. <laughs> and then she would get up and carry it all the way around the back to like a compost thing. Wow. And then come back out. And I, I have no objections to someone wanting to pick up pine yeah. cones however they want to. But it it did feel... Like a constant collision of lifestyles, you know, like that all. For sure. Yeah. Okay, yeah. all of that I meant to tell you about my great big time. We are light lever honors. We are the people who turn the lights on in our house. Oh, yeah. And we leave the house without believe, turning all the I lights off. I believe in lights on. Yeah, but I mean, we we don't. Yeah. We no. don't even remember no. necessarily to turn a light off I, if we're going somewhere. No, because I like coming home. To a nice, cheery, lit up house. Yeah. And so, I don't feel so. bad. I don't apologize. <laughs> well, I apologize for this one time when we did this magnificently evil deed. We left somewhere in the daytime. And in, in, in the fever of summer chaos in our life, you know. So we had been to the river. But then it had been maybe going to rain. So we put the boat in our garage. Okay. Because we weren't snapping the cover on it. Okay. But... It didn't fit in the garage, so the garage door was open with the prow of our boat (laughs) coming out of it. And then all the kids 
life jackets and stuff hanging on the prow of the boat. Okay. And then bikes. It sounds tasteful already. Bikes and junkus, yeah. et cetera, mm-hmm. yeah. everywhere. Well, then we left the house in the daytime where this just looked like a living situation. Okay. And then we were gone for a long time. Okay. But our garage was on the far right side of the house. Mm-hmm. And right next to the garage was a little pathway to somebody else's, a like a downstairs apartment to the house next door. Their front okay. door was on the side. Like you had to walk past our, like on our whole property line. You have to walk oh, that whole yeah. distance to get to their front door. Okay. Well, we arrive home to our, <laughs> to our house. A blaze of lights, but the garage lights also on. So this boat is just lit up. Like it's it's lit up. The boat, the life jackets, the bikes, and also like our garbage. You know, like yeah, also right. the garbage of from course. the kitchen stuff. It's like mm. it was like a real mm, like something. A lot is happening, and our poor neighbors were having some kind of a summertime soiree with their friends and then put out little luminaries oh, no. on the path. <laughs> and we call up to see their little elegant luminaries running down the side next to us. have this huge massive line of trees really big fir trees between our house and and his house and he was very old I, we never saw him he never came out of the house I think he had caretakers who would come to him mm-hmm. he had Alzheimer's I think so he didn't know us and we didn't know him like it was just not yeah. um and one of his trees fell down and smashed our roof in, and he never knew. He, like, he didn't even notice that that mm, happens. Like, yeah. it was sort of that level. But, <laughs> so, one night, we're just in our house, and we we look across. And he's not close. I mean, they're a ways over, and they were on the other side of t- these trees. But we look over there, and this is at maybe 10 o'clock at night. So, it's not like it's the middle of the night, but, you know. Yeah. And he is standing in the window, like in his skivvies, I think. Old man, flashing the light on and off and on and off and on and off. And then we're like, oh, no. oh no! Like, what's happening? Does he need like, help? Does he, does he need help? Was, Do we need to call 911? Yeah. Well, that was the thing. And we're like, should we go over? And like, we're like, but he really doesn't know us. And we think he has Alzheimer's. And I don't know if that would yeah. just freak him out, you know? So... We called the cops and said, we think there's something wrong. Like, we think somebody needs to know, but we don't know who to call for this mm-hmm. incident. And he's just standing there, flicking <laughs> his lights at us, looking at us across the way. <laughs> and eventually the cops come to our house and say, um, he would like you to turn your lights off. Turn their lights off over there. Let me try this. Oh, so good. And, and 
after that, we knew his signal. So he would occasionally do that, and we would be like, all right, okay, turn off the lights on that side of the house. <laughs> You should have just answered him back. You should have just answered him back by standing there and opening and closing a curtain. (laughs) Shut your own curtains. How are we supposed to intuit what you you don't want to see us? Like Morse code. But that's the thing. It's like we're a ways out. It's not like we're shining in his eyes. I don't. I don't really know. But he felt like it just became the thing. They uh, need to turn their lights off over there. Yeah, exactly. Like there's. Yeah. Anyways, what I'm trying to tell you is that <laughs> my whole life has been that life of feeling like you are the one that wherever I go, we're taking up too much of yeah. the room in the grocery yeah, store right. and we have too much, too yeah. much going on in every department. Yeah. We can't mm-hmm. keep our stuff. And so we lean into it, you know, by letting the kids shoot BB guns all over outside <laughs> at, at things. Yeah. And, uh, uh-huh. Yeah. Anyways, yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, I should probably look up one. Of, we had a bunch of questions that I was trying to get us to we like. We were trying to answer them. I was trying to get us to like work through them, which I thought. Uh, okay, let's see. Uh, okay, not that one. I like how. Hmm. I like how now I'm like, well, we don't want to answer that question. <laughs> <laughs> now that we uh, said we would. Yeah, no, but, um, let's see. What are a few... Okay, here's a quick one. Uh, we vaguely mention housekeeping and general motherhood books, maybe, and she's inquiring to see if we could share specific favorite books. Uh, she's read our books. We're not trying to recommend our own books. Um, so I would say, the first one I would say is, uh... Mom would be for good. Sure, yeah. Get mom has written a number of books that are great for women. I should yeah. probably reread mom's again because it's been a while since yeah. I have. They're always good. Um, yep, always good, solid. Our That's mom is Nancy, Nancy Wilson. Wilson yeah. yeah, and she also has a podcast called Femina, which mm-hmm. is a good little business. Um, so what I was going to say is. Uh, about the housekeeping, I have read books about housekeeping. That's a subject where I've done a lot more gleaning from different places than yeah, I have found sure. any one that really does it yeah. all for me. Yeah. Like, exactly. I actually enjoyed the life-changing magic of tidying up. I did, too. You know I what? really enjoyed it. But I came I, away from that with two real valuable things and three. How to fold pants. That was really good. I changed my... Mm-hmm. Mo on mm-hmm. that and socks. I really like it. How does she have you fold pants? I well, you fold them in half at the waistband with the front facing in, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Spread them out flat. Fold the legs up in half, and then the little crotch seam that comes out in a swoop right there. Fold that in, and then double it one more time, and then. They yeah. just sit nice and square, and I you can stack them, and they just stack nicely in the same. And I liked the um, folding the socks and then putting them in, like, a file cabinet rather than just all chucked in a drawer. Yeah. I, the one, the big takeaway from that book was not how to be a Shinto shrine maiden. Good heavens, I know. And also, she's, she's a how sad, glad we are we yeah. don't need to try to be no, that. No, but she's a sad little ducky. And 
my big takeaway actually from that book, which was funny, was something I'm, I am actually a prolific purger. I am not a person who I keep there. Obviously there are things I keep. I don't think my great weakness is in not getting rid of things. I just, I do that. I am more likely to have gotten rid of something I regret getting rid of sure. than I am mm-hmm. to hold something for too long. Yeah. But one thing that I totally appreciated from that book was that just because you used something at some point does right. not mean you owe it. Yeah. It's a yeah. whole lifetime. And she says all the time she has this weird thing you know where she's like thanking your socks for their service and stuff which yeah. is a weird uh theological problem <laughs> but she's More not that, it's a weird pantheist problem but right that's what i meant is that it's it's a problem that no christian <laughs> should engage in but right. it is also not wrong that expressing gratitude is what's needed yeah it's just expressing gratitude at the socks is wrong <laughs> you should express gratitude To God for it. So if you have a time, like for instance, say you're in one of these moments where you have a bunch of clothes that you don't fit anymore and you have some feeling that you're supposed to get back to where you fit them and then they've become Mm. a big tangle Mm -hmm. for you. As is often the case, like you could save things until they were far out of style thinking that you just needed to hang on because you were supposed to get back there. I loved the concept of actually thanking God for the good that these things did you and then being done with them. Like being like farewell. And the weirdest category for me on that was cookbooks that I had cookbooks that I was actually not, I didn't, I would not have said I am having some kind of an emotional problem with these cookbooks. I wouldn't have thought (laughs) that, but I was because I I loved them for the time when they mattered. Yeah. Like where there was a time in my life where this mm-hmm. was influential or this mm-hmm. was a thing that inspired me, but yeah. it does not inspire me now. Like right. I'm looking at it and I'm like, there's nothing here that I care about. Sure. Yeah. I agree. That would be like Susan Branch things. Oh. There was a time in my life. Forgot about it. Yeah. Her. But like there was yeah. a time in my life where I thought that that was so interesting and cute and like, look yeah. at what she did here. And then yeah. you have this weird... That was an era. Yeah, but it, I'm no longer even interested in what Susan Branch has to tell mm-hmm. us. But, mm-hmm. I, but I felt like you feel some obligation to it. Yes. And it was really a good... I was like, oh, it just makes total sense to actually yeah. express your gratitude for it and move it along. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And I just remember that she clearly has some real bad hang-ups, but like... I feel like she wants you to have one spoon and one fork and one glass and one plate. I feel like she it. told you to put your stuff in a colander. Doesn't she yeah, tell you to like, like wash your dishes and put dry. it on the patio? Yeah, and you're I'd like, like you to don't see understand. me try. <laughs> and I just, oh, see, last week I was painting my cupboards and I painted them and I moved into them. And I'll tell you, I dug out of the basement boxes of dishes that I had been saving. And then I was like, well, if I don't put them in my cupboard, then what's the point? I should just get rid of them. So I, I put them all in. And it is not something that she would appreciate at all. It's so sick. Too many. But it's not. That's the thing. For the life that we live, it is not right. too many. Well, my it's channel. Like your channel. It's like that, except for not as big. 
but it does give you that sort of feeling that you might be in the crate and barrel store. Like it's, <laughs> it's I partly bought, because I don't have doors on the cupboards yet. They're just open. So you're like, good gracious, how many plates? Yeah. I bought some of those China storage bags mm-hmm. so that I could put like my Christmas China mm-hmm. actually all just down in the basement Yeah, and out good. of circulation. Yeah. The, my Christmas China that I bought at the Goodwill, mm-hmm. but that mm-hmm. I love. So. But see, like, I still have all my event supplies in boxes in the basement. Like, those yeah. didn't, except plates. I brought, I, because those, you don't want to lug that many plates up and down the yeah. basement. But all the sort of odds and ends of all the mm-hmm. champagne glasses or all the wine glasses, you know, just all of those things. Yeah. But this actually brings up a question that somebody else asked that I thought was a good question. I said we'd get to it. Um, she was asking about decorating and entertaining and the financial side of mm-hmm. that, you know, like, yeah. So if I'm sitting here saying we have 10 hundred million plates in our cupboard, how expensive is that? Like, is that a reckless expense sort of? I would say yes and no. Right. Both mm-hmm. at the same time. I will say a ton of minor hand-me-downs. Well, Virtually all mine. Well, here's what I want. I want to say this part. I think that hospitality is always going to be an expense. It just is an expense. Yep. But it should always be an expense in proportion to what you've been given, which means that it doesn't have to be a. There's a reason that we have all these standby things like add more water to the soup. You know, like Uh why that's a cultural. Like, there's a re, like, you make do with what you have, what God's given you, and you be generous with that. I have a ton of plates, and there's no denying that I've spent money on that. But I have spent, like, uh, well, probably 98% of that has been at thrift stores. Yeah. So, buying plates for 49 cents or mm-hmm. something you know like mm-hmm. or garage sales or yeah. facebook marketplace or like random cheap so yeah. but i have spent money on it but i'm not uh it's not like it's been a enormous expense there are other things towards our hospitality that have been a significant expense or were at one time and then have been used like mm-hmm. like if i buy a whole fleet of new tablecloths or napkins that's like probably not really cheap right when i did that right but i you know i wouldn't there's no obligation to that i could have kept going with the drop cloths mm-hmm. it's something that's mm-hmm. like if we had the money and we feel like it's an appealing yeah. let's freshen this up a bit well one time years ago i think we were hosting some big do at our house i don't know it was maybe easter or something i'm not sure and i didn't have enough of whatever i think it was dessert dishes and i remember being out with ben and it was like we were even like at ross or Mm, something mm -hmm. but they had a bunch of like i could buy all 48 or whatever of some little serving piece which we were going to need, sort of. But I was standing there having that, like, they're not super practical. Like, these, mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't mm-hmm. use them all the time. It would be 48 of them. And, and I don't know. And plus, it's going to, I mean, is it worth the money? And, I, you know, in the grand scheme of things, we were at Ross. So, it wasn't exactly going to. 
you know, bankrupt us. However, as I was standing there having my little time wondering about it, Ben goes, absolutely. He's like, put him in. And he said, oh, how did he put it? It was something like tools for building the kingdom, you know, just throw them in Amen. (laughs) And I was like, that takes the guilt out right there. Like, and that's, but that's so what you need is to like, it's, I think it's just a combination of thinking that to buy pretty napkins is a radical self-indulgence is not necessarily the case. So it could be maybe, I suppose, but it could be if you're being bad about it, but if it's something (laughs) that you're actually, if you're actually just wanting to bless others, make Uh your, like you're wanting to do that. And I will say, because we actually do things so regularly in our house because we're doing it all the time. I am in a different position than my daughters are, Mm -hmm. which is that I sometimes, when I am buying, if I buy new napkins, I am buying it for two layers of people. I am buying it for the table setters who will be delighted to work with cuter materials and for the guests who, because they come often to my house, I don't want it to settle into the great weariness of like, (laughs) it always is the same. And I think it's, there have been times where I think we've kind of just done the same thing a whole bunch of times in a row. And then yeah. times when we're like, let's change this up. Let's yeah, do something. shake it up a bit. Yeah. But I do think that, um, I mean, obviously you're in the space where you're having a load of people every week. And I'm in the space of having loads of people at various times. And they're different crowds. Like you have a different mm-hmm. kind of crowd coming over. And I have a different kind of crowd coming over. And um, it does take a bit to develop your little arsenal of what you need to make it effective and, mm-hmm. um, you know, hopefully beautiful bought, and enjoyable. I just enjoyable. bought two new beverage dispensers at the Walmart for mm-hmm. $12. Mm-hmm. Why, why, I ask you, have I been paddling around <laughs> with one with a lost lid yeah, for, right. for like, like there's something where we're like, we just don't know what we did with that. It, yeah. So. I'm just going to be like, thank you for all the times you got us through the lemonade. <laughs> Goodbye. Yeah. And I don't know. I think that everybody is in their own little place. If you're in, in married student housing, I really don't think you need to be having 50 people for dinner, Mm-mm, Yeah, but you can show hospitality in your own space that stretches you a little bit. And I know maybe, did I already say this on the podcast? I feel like I said this lately somewhere, but, um, I know that when you have little kids, it's a very different kind of entertaining that you're Mm -hmm. able to pull off. And I remember doing a thing. Um, if I did say this on the podcast, just stop me. But like, if we wanted to have another family over, Oh, we yeah, you ha- did say this, that did you would I? pack a kid's little bags of fun yeah, stuff. Yeah, was it on the podcast? I yeah, it was. Okay. Yeah, because it just really, um, I don't know, just make it happen somehow. And yeah. And try and make it fun. And actually what I would say is that your own style of hospitality will not be exactly someone no. else's. And that that's actually, that's actually a good thing. It's like what dad says about the Bible being translated into different languages that that's not a bug. It's a feature Yeah, like that, that different people trying to show uh, God's kindness and love towards other people and using whatever they can think of and find to try to do that is not, it does not, it's not like people are varying from the right way 
right. to show hospitality. It's actually a feature of it that it's hugely broad and wide and different and diverse. Yeah. And that, that's a wonderful and thing. And it's like we were talking about last week. It is going to be derivative because you're going to learn from other people and you're going right. to get ideas from them and you're going to, you know, borrow some stuff and then put your own spin on it. And it's going to be, right. I don't know, I just think that's fantastic. But actually, that brings I, up that little man that I've been laughing so hard at over oh, the last few days. Mm, wait, let me say one thing and then come back to this. Man. Okay. Because he's worth talking about. Uh, <laughs> the I was going to say that some of my own probably best, or I'm probably, I don't know if it's most distinctive, but whatever, the things that I would say probably make up my own style of hospitality mm-hmm. comes from actually trying to figure out a solution to yes. a problem yes. with the resources that I actually have on hand or could have on hand. Yep. And then I implement it in some way and then we're like, look, I think that worked. And right. then that becomes a distinctive thing that you're doing. But it's not. it's not because I got it for its style. It's because like the things that are so important are actually through someone having thought about their own problems Mm -hmm. and obstacles Mm -hmm. and the situation and trying to overcome it. So it's just an encouragement to actually not be afraid that you're doing that. And if one of your obstacles is the budget, well, explore all the budget there. And there are actually are a lot because If you think basically every culture in the world has their food that is made for big groups that is uh-huh. cheap. Yep. Pasta is cheap. Red beans, beans and rice. <laughs> cheap. Yeah, like you find those things and you think, okay, how could I get good at the feeding people inexpensively? Pasta is really cheap. Pasta, this is, yeah, totally. Sorry, go back to your, yeah. to your no, funny man. No, I was going to say one of the... I'm putting the funny man on hold again for a minute. Mm. Uh, one of the things that I use all the time when I'm doing big groups that I, it works for me. Mm-hmm. And it is exactly that is it came out of this, like, how am I possibly going to make this work? This is too mm-hmm. complicated. I went to the, um, it was like selling a bunch of brew, brewing supplies, home brewing supplies. So they sell bottles and I bought, uh, clear glass bottles that are like have a tall sort of neck that are basically what I stick on the table for the water glass if I'm doing the kind of event where you have a wine glass and a water glass and I just didn't have enough it was like plus I didn't have the servers for a sit-down dinner who can run around with a pitcher topping everybody up all the time Mm because a little wine glass people drink a lot of water at a dinner and so Somebody running around with a pitcher was not somebody that I had on hand. Mm-hmm. And so I would just, I bought all these clear glass bottles and I would, I just fill them ahead of time and then set them out. So it's actually a lot of water that each person has. And it's kind of fun and different and it adds some height and interest to the table and it's just different. And mm-hmm. and so I have a bunch of those and I use them a lot. And it's uh, it's just incredibly handy, but it's also cheap because to go buy a bunch of bottles is, it doesn't look like putting a plastic water bottle on the table. It looks a little bit nicer, but it's the same principle, basically. Mm-hmm. I just bought more glasses at their restaurant supply because we, I don't know what we did with our other ones, but we can never find them when we're sitting at the table for mm-hmm. Sabbath. We're missing mm-hmm. like 20 that we need. We're like yeah, scraping the bottom of the glass barrel. Yeah. But anyway, I'm just saying that those are the weird little things that um 
it was a troubleshooting. Yeah, situation. and I'll tell you that when I first started caring about cooking lovely things, I was into stuff like that's more expensive, like the mm-hmm. um, things that you would think if I scaled this up, we could never afford this life. So, right. like for instance, beautiful ceramic baking dishes. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. a Le Creuset, beautiful thing. Which I still love. I have no... But but my point is, is that actually the hospitality has made me cheaper on some of those things. Mm-hmm. I use large yeah. sheet pans, large cake pans, large, like mm-hmm. very boring dishware because nobody mm-hmm. makes a beautiful Portuguese baking dish the size I would need it. No, exactly. But like see, this, that'd be awesome. Yeah, it would be awesome. How to have three men is, lift your lasagna like, out of the oven. The same, I think the same sort of principle goes with decorating your house because I think that was part of the question was like, you know, money for making a beautiful home. And of course you could spend a million dollars quite easily, I think. Making a beautiful home. You don't Blickety, have to. Blickety, you you really don't have to. I mean, paint is cheap. And it can even be real cheap if you go look at the cast-off cans. And I'll just tell you, that's one of those rude comments that my children make. Hmm. When, I, when they're like, there's the dumpster that mom always stops by on Sundays. <laughs> I'm like, I'm sorry, what? There was a dumpster on their route to church that was at these apartments and whenever mm-hmm. a bunch of people be moving out in like the spring there'd be like furniture and stuff mm-hmm. around the dumpster mm-hmm. but I promise it was maybe one and a half <laughs> times that I ever actually stopped but the kids are yeah. all like that's where mom goes Sunday afternoons I'm like wait a minute but the the table that's in our front room the loom room mm-hmm. I pulled that from that dumpster <laughs> And I haven't even painted it because it had kind of a rustic vibe going yeah. for it anyways. And I'm like, oh, that's great. And I have yeah. so many things that are in my house that have been repurposed a million different ways. And it doesn't have to look like a junk shop or like it doesn't even have to look shabby chic. You know, like you actually can do yeah. quite good stuff. Sometimes you I just... do shabby chic on accident. But yeah, I... but, you know, you can... You can um if you have a little bit of persistence and diligence and creativity, you can mm-hmm. you can make something happen with fabric you got at the Goodwill. I have you so know, much like, of that kind of weird. Yeah, or like, like a bedspread that you found on Craigslist. Like that's a good way to get a cooler, cheaper mirror is to buy a cool frame and paint it and get a piece cut, like a mirror cut to fit in it yep. is much cheaper than buying a beautiful well, I just bought a very rad frame for a painting. I had, um, I bought Ben last Christmas and I had not gotten it framed yet. Yeah. And I was at an antique store and it was this weird old family photo. One of those very stony faced black mm. and white ones, mm-hmm. but it was the right size and it's a very cool frame. And so I bought a strange family portrait and then threw it away and I put the painting in. It's very very, cool. That's very successful. You know, it's just a wacky old thing. I do a lot of that kind of thing and it's not always a success. No. But it is always, we're all, actually, my favorite, our dining room table, I love our dining room table. And I bought it for $50 at a thrift store and... Because the legs were oak and the top was a horrible formica, the mm-hmm. faux bois 
for yes. mica. Yes. And I bought it thinking we'll put a different top on it. And then I started peeling the, the Formica and I whizzed that off of it and found that it was an oak veneer, which was badly damaged because it was an old school mm-hmm. library table and it, and it was damaged yeah. beyond being attractive. Okay. So then I was still waiting for a new tabletop. <coughs> mom came over and then mom was like, well, what if we peeled this off? And mom led me astray on that journey. <laughs> I came home. I Luke was a excellent sport about it because he came home to total mayhem of us schlepping <laughs> off layers of veneer <laughs> but it turned out that the, underneath the veneer was oak plank like big yeah. thick and it was like kind of buggy and kind of you know it was not top grade but we he and it luke sanded it all down and refinished it and it's beautiful it's like i cool. love it yeah and that was my 50 dollar table and i still it's like yeah i'm totally pleased no. with that and you can buy weird old upholstery and teach yourself to reupholster it because that is a real cheap way to learn or you can learn to sew slip covers i've done slip covers out of canvas which is very cheap and does a yeah, like drop cloth. Valuable job of covering up ugly stuff. I think that the reality is, it, in all likelihood, it will cost you something. Yes. But what it will cost you can be varying degrees of ingenuity, work, time, you know, your creativity, yeah. and money. It's, and you can balance all of those things out in different ways. I think mom talks about how she, didn't she cover a cardboard box? With corduroy yeah. in their early marriage to yeah. be a side table, side table. Yep. because they didn't have one, so they she upholstered a cardboard <laughs> box, and I think you know what, that's dreaming new dreams right there. <laughs> <laughs> well, she might have just made a tablecloth. Do you think she upholstered it? Well, I think she actually I always pictured a tablecloth. You just meant it drooping. I but it would have been the seventies, so I bet it was. Like a cube, you know, like Maybe. a little cube of Maybe. corduroy would have been more be on point. Cute, I know. So long as it was sturdy. Right. But ladies, right. run with that idea. Go ahead and upholster yourself. Like one of those orange boxes would be like real sturdy. What orange boxes? You know, like fruit. Where Like they're super reinforced boxes. Oh, like a cardboard box. Yeah, like but a cardboard just, box. Oh, yeah. They would probably Anyways, be fine. All I'm saying is that... And then I tend to squirrel away money that I stick off to the side to not get mixed in with the rest of it that I call my grown-up house money. And then when I have enough, I order a bit of wallpaper. Isn't that what Grandma would have called her mad money? <laughs> oh, maybe. My <laughs> mad money. That's what... It, this is why, like, I order one wall worth of wallpaper. <laughs> <laughs> and then a little later... Because you budget, you yeah. you be cheesy on the money in some places, and then you spend it in others, and that's great. Yeah, I know. Actually, okay, wait. I just read a book that had been. I just read a book, and it had a quote. It's it's um. Oh man, I have two things to say now. Sorry. Okay, I took a screenshot of this quote because I thought it was so good. My father always said that money was made to be spent, just as men spend their strength and brains in earning it and as willingly. But just as they work with a purpose, so the results of that work should be spent with a purpose and not wasted. That's great. It's not so great. I really and I, like it. I love that you read the first bit again. My father always said that money was made to be spent, just as men spend their strength and brains in earning it and as willingly. Okay, so I have a thing about that. 
which I'm sorry, I apologize that I periodically veer into lit class, but in, I love how in Beowulf and in Anglo-Saxon stuff, there's this really heavy emphasis on the um, relationship between the gold and the valor of the men. Because mm-hmm. it was, you know, in the Mead Hall, the, the ring giver gives his men treasure and they well, promise him... the ring giver, and it should be mentioned to anyone not really familiar, the ring giver is the most the important... King. The king. Right, yeah. the most... But, but it's an honor that he's the one who gives. Mm-hmm. He gives the rings and he gives the gold to his men. And they promise in return faithfulness in battle. Right? And so when they are faithful in battle and when they're loyal in battle, that's how you get more gold. And then you get more, val- you know, mm-hmm. more faithfulness. And that's a sort of, you know, interesting other sort of side. But the reverse of that is the dragon who gets the gold and lays on top of it and doesn't have anything to do with it. Mm-hmm. It just, he gets it and he hoards it and he right. sits on it. And so in Beowulf, there's a, there's a king who stopped giving rings and just started hanging on to it. And he is the dragon. He's like the mm-hmm. dragon king. And Tolkien picks that up with like Thorin at the very end where he sort of becomes the, mm-hmm. a bit of a dragon king mm-hmm. there at the end. Anyway, my point is, is that you don't want to be the dragon with the money. No. It's supposed to be in a cycle. That's and you how don't it... want to be the household dragon. No. You don't be, and you don't want to measure the success of what you're doing by how little you spent. Right. And I do think that there is a side of thriftiness that can get real evil. Because, of course, being thrifty is great. That's as far as it goes. It's great. But it can really turn into a vice. And I think that it's a funny... Um, I think there are a lot of Christians who don't see the vice on that side. They uh-huh. see the vice of, of being in debt too far or overextending well, or being I'll just, too lavish. I'll just say the splooshy splasher kind of a commentary right now. <laughs> I'm going to say the thing. You're going to do it. Yep. Watch me go, Bega. All right. Thriftiness. When it comes, like, there are a lot of Christians who are sinning grievously in the education of their own children through not being willing to spend money on their children's education or lose money by not, by, like, lose money. Like, if they're thinking, well, homeschooling would cost us because the wife would have to be home home. or tuition would Mm -hmm. cost us, so we're not going to do it. But what they're doing is radically unfaithful. Right. right. Like if they're choosing to not spend money on something like that. But that's like you're picking one, say, say you're doing it on the biblical kind of principle of like, we don't want to We don't want to be in debt. in debt. We don't want to do whatever. So we're going to But we're for it But we're kind of picking and choosing the things that we really right. care about. Right. And so we have this bizarre willingness to, to think that it's somehow like, or sending your kids to some totally God-hating... Right. God forsaken place or, because it's a good deal yeah. or you got a scholarship on it right. or, and being right. like, yeah, but for such a bargain, we could do it. Exactly. I, and that is an example of where the virtue of being cost conscious and wise in your mm-hmm. money management is actually causing you to stumble. Right. In a weird way. you might be, like, unwilling to show hospitality because it is expensive and we're we're saving for our retirement. And plus we have a vacation this summer that we have to save up for and we have to 
upgrade the car and it's you don't understand it's all very expensive in our house you know and mm-hmm. we can't afford and so there are ways of ignoring biblical commands because money well yes and that i'm just gonna say that is a way of serving mammon and i feel like you can, well obviously you can't serve both god and mammon but i just mean like there's that's this, actually like a straight quote from it's somewhere. <laughs> it's almost as if from somebody somewhere said famous that. Somebody it, can, said it comes it from some famous manuscript <laughs> but the thing is <laughs> Is that there is this way of having the dollar always looming all the time. And one, somebody said this to me and I thought it was really good. Is he said the kind of people who get really, really, really into the budgeting and the paying off the debt and the this and the that and every penny is accounted for and, and just, and they see it as a huge virtue. He did say, and I thought this was a good point. He was like, if you keep your eye on every penny that tightly, how would it be possible for your left hand not to know what your right hand was doing? Because you Mm -hmm. are taking such tight inventory of it all the time. And I just think, yeah, if you're, I mean, there's, there's always, again, the ditch on both sides of the road. I'm, you know, going and running up all the credit cards and selling your, Poor you choices know, can be selling made. yourself into right? crazy and I wanted, debt. I want to be clear that I'm not recommending we all go vastly into debt for no. our children's education. I'm recommending that we expect obedience of ourselves and we rely on God to provide yes. for, to let us obey, yeah. but not to decide. And okay, changing the subject even further. Okay. I know I've probably said this on the podcast, but I'll say it again because some of you probably weren't here whenever it was I said it. Or you were you were spacing or off. Or I dreamed it. I don't know. Maybe <laughs> I never said it. But people say that all the time. Christians sit around, and this is not with money, but with like grace. Being like, I don't have enough grace to do this thing off in the future. Because God has not given you the grace for the thing that you don't need to yeah. do right now. Right. And God will never give you the grace to not like he's not going to give you the grace for a future event to tease you into not worrying about it. <laughs> you don't have the grace for that because it's not happening. Right. But people would say to us all the time as though Luke and I sat around and were like, "My, what should we do with this surplus of money and grace and effective parenting <laughs> other than have another child?" Like when God gave us another child, it was not because yeah. we found ourselves with so much excess yeah. capacity. It was because God gives what you need when yeah. you need it. And yeah. and I think that getting out ahead you of trust things. Trust him. You obey and you trust him to deal to with the details. for things. And I think all of us could tell a lot of stories about the variety of ways in which we do something out of obedience and God provided for it after we were already in it. Yep. Right? Like once you're already like, well, what have we done? Then you're like, then the Lord yep. provides. And yep. that has been... The really the story of our whole marriage. Yeah, and in I fact. think that's kind of what it means to act in faith. Yeah, you're like, well, you know, this is if the thing you, we if think you we're had doing. it all pegged out and knew all the details and it was all totally sorted, you wouldn't really need much faith. You know, not really. Yeah. Okay, Becky, we should probably we bring should. this in we for a to. landing. And do you have a tip? Oh, gosh, I feel like last week's tip. I had one. We should all just still bask in the. In the success of in the glory of your tip about that, I, I should just I'm say still love it. I, I feel like I should just mention 
my tip is if you don't feel like paying for a kitchen island yet, just do what I've done and put a random assortment of stacked junk as your island and live with that for like 18 months. And every once in a while, one of your guests will be like, what's happening with this corner of this item where it's actually a table leg that doesn't meet the floor? I'm just saying... No, you can improvise, adapt, and overcome. Sometimes you just make stuff up and it might be weird and mm-hmm. you might wonder why you've done it, but you did it yeah. and that's how it is. Yeah, it is indeed how it is. Rachel, I think you have guests. Do I? Yeah, they're going to your door. All right, I got to get out. All, All right. right. And, well, oh, no, fun. I got to take you home, so just oh, wait. there's that. Okay. <laughs> okay, she left. I'll just say. Bye. Bye.